Hello, folks. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rhetoric. Berto was your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today, as usual. But you know what? I want to start all my show. Well, you know what? Let me salute my wonderful people first, and then I'll get into my pet peeve. It's not a pet peeve. It's a reality that we need to get covered and get covered right away. Because, folks, I mean, the, 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 the spin is on the spin is on. And what we have to do is we have to be the voice of reason. We have to be the voice out there calling out the plutocracy for what they have been doing for decades, for what they have been doing for centuries. We have to be the voice. We can no longer allow them to just have us as puppets. They are the puppeteers. We are the puppets. And we just go along wherever they say we go along. We just do whatever they. And, you know, somebody the other day kept on saying, Egberto, you are always talking about they, 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 they. Who the hell are they? It's, it's they are those invisible hands. They're not really invisible. But it's those hands that are running all these things. You go outside and you see this humongous economy. You see buildings prowling. You see all these great things happening. And you wonder, where do I fit in? And why is it that for all those things to be built, all those things must happen to me and others? Uh, We have to, you know, I mean, when I got the realization of how things actually work, it was like, Pero por favor, ¿por qué no lo he visto anteriormente? Why hadn't I seen it before? You know? And after seeing it, it's like, you know, everybody needs to see what really goes on, what all this means. But anyhow, welcome, Senor Rutnin. Welcome, Bruce Pollard says, peace. Remember what you just said right now when you play Steve Smith later during the show. Okay, I, I, I hear you when I play Steve. I, I, I'm not sure that I'm... Did I have Steve Smith on the list for playing? I, I, I You know, I'm getting old, man. I, I, I don't think I'm playing Steve Smith, but if you want me to play Steve Smith, I would. Um, but actually, he had a lot of good, important stuff to say. And I'd like to hear your opinion about what he has to say. But anyhow, Deb Denny, welcome aboard. Uh, Paul Fleming, the... The, the ATL, Atlanta, Georgia, Nanette Birdsmith says, hi, all, hi, all. Michael said, ah, yeah, but if you're not going to play, uh, if you're not going to play Steve Schmidt, don't bother playing it. I gather you don't like Steve Schmidt. I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to saving democracy, I do consider Steve Schmidt. Look, I disagree with the guy completely, Rudnan. I do. I do consider him a patriot, though. I honestly consider him a patriot, that he doesn't believe what you and I believe, that he doesn't see the things as we see, that he isn't as humane as we are with respect to the socialization that's needed in the United States of America. I am willing to listen to people and meet them where they are, and I also realize that they may not 100% believe what I believe. But when it comes to believing in a certain level of humanity, believing in a certain level of patriotism of country, of doing what's right, I've got to give it to Brother you know, um, Steve Smith. No, a lot of you are going to disagree with me because he's an ultra-conservative kind of guy. You know, but I, I respect all people. I don't expect everybody to agree with me 100%. But I'm going to do what I need to do to do my part, to have my conscience clean that says I've done the most I can for humanity. 
Um, let's see what else we got. Deb Denny, welcome aboard. Paul Fleming, welcome aboard. Everett Avery Herod, my union specialist, a union expert. Love, love you, girl. You keep on doing what you do, and congrats on on your on, on your lady as well. Uh, let's continue here. Let's continue here. Para ver, para ver. E two two four seven. Welcome aboard as well. Uh, okay. All right. Let's go ahead and get started with Brother Rudnin's ass. great research. Sandy Hook family settled with Remington's for $73 million, market, marking first-time gunmaker is held liable for mass shooting. 21st graders and six staff members were killed in the Newton, Connecticut 2012 massacre. While the amount is pitifully low, it sets a precedent for future mass shootings. And just to be clear, we have a mass shooting somewhere in this country averaging once a day now, this article includes an 11-minute video detailing the relevant statistics that I would recommend as a follow-up after Egberto's show. Thank you for that good work you always do, sir. And I think we need to make it plainer. You know, everybody's complaining about all the violence that is occurring right now. And if you go to New York, all the gun violence around the country, none of those yahoos who are killing with guns make those guns. And absent those guns, Maybe they'll pick up a house knife or maybe they'll pick up something else. I don't know. But let's put blame where blame belongs. Uh, we have a killing mentality in our corporate structure. A corporation that's built on making guns for the average citizen, irrespective of what's going on in high volumes. Where do you think their morals lie? All right, Egberto, if you're able, mind putting this graphic showing mass shootings rising? I will, not not right now, but I, I, I still don't have that completely fixed. Uh, let's see. Michael Rodin says, scientists have possibly cured HIV. I read that in the New York Times today. Cured HIV in a woman for the first time following a cutting-edge stem cell treatment four years ago. The New York patient is now off of HIV medication and remains asymptomatic. Researcher says this is still extremely risky experimental treatment that up to 50 people per year who would assuredly otherwise die from cancer might attempt, but a step forward towards a cure. Yeah, actually, I think that if I recall, if I understood the article correctly, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Rudnan, I don't think they were out to cure AIDS. I just think the person who got the marrow because of the nature of the marrow that they got, there were two things. They said that the marrow that they received, if I recall correctly, was in itself had some sort of a resistance to HIV, something to that effect. I think I read, I could be wrong. So read the articles yourself. But also, that wasn't the ultimate goal of the, this was actually something else they were solving for leukemia. All right, let's see. GOP, let's see, did I get the other one? Okay. GOP law blamed as nearly 40% of male invalids rejected in Houston area. That's my area. That's my state. One citizen, one vote is considered sacred by the American people. And Republicans mess with, with their peril. But you know what? Well, let me finish reading that. Then I'll come to it. I must say that having uh, to match your old driver's license ID number for those who registered to vote years ago, rather than verifying your social security number, is a ridiculous restriction. Mail, ballots, and people's vote. Isabel Longoria, the Harris County uh, Election Administrator, said. So I am very concerned, not just with the complexity of the process, but how added complexity is going to increase the number of mail ballots we reject. 
here's what these these yahoos don't understand. I don't know that Democrats need to be as scared of this as they as many are acting, right? They only need to be very scared of this if they don't intend to do their job. If they don't intend to to get touchy-feely with all those who have a preponderance to vote Democratic. If they are not going to go out there and respect the barrios, if they are not going to go there and respect the ghettos, if they are going to go out there and not respect the Appalachian, the Appalachian people. Because all we need to do now is this gives us a real reason to get touchy-feeling and assistive with those who we want to vote for us. It means we have a reason. It's not like we didn't have one before. But now we are, imp- we are compelled to go out to the barrios, the ghettos, and Appalachia and seek our people out, the people that they think won't have all this documentation to register, to register. But here's the second half of the story that nobody likes to talk about. Uh, being irresponsible or being less than accurate with our documents is not restricted to the people in the ghettos, the barrios, and Appalachia. It's restricted to the people in the rural areas all over. And I don't know. I mean, when you talk about restricting ID, gun versus student ID, meaning guns can be used as an, I mean, gun uh, IDs can be used, but student ID can't. Okay, that has a, demogra- a real demographic hit. But when you start to look at certain things like rejecting votes for all these other reasons, you know that phrase that says, if you dig a grave, you better dig too? This may hit them harder than they believe. This just may hit the other side harder than they believe, including getting them upset that they've gotten rejected and have to do things over and over again. So this story is still being told. David Dennis says, hi, long time no see. Hope all is well. Ukraine is being played as a bargaining chip by near-peer countries. And this international intergovernmental nonsense is harming the common people. Stop it. You know, I have an article that's, uh, that was written by one of our leaders at uh, the Houston Peace and Justice Center. I'm reviewing the article right now, and we're getting it peer-reviewed from many of the other folks in Houston Peace and Justice Center to make sure we give the accurate assessment of what's going on in the Ukraine, or not the Ukraine anymore, in Ukraine and Russia and NATO. Uh, we're going to put a, a notice out on that on the hvjc.org website when I get around to reading it up and putting all the people's ideas into the document. Uh, let's see. Michael says, the Republicans who want to reclaim their party will follow Mitch McConnell and the corporate power structure who have to understand that Mitch McConnell will do what's good for Mitch McConnell, not what's good for the country or the American people. We have to make sure that we don't put corporate conservatives on a pedestal as they stand up against fascism and Trumpism. I am with you, brother. But you know what? If we don't stand together with our conservative brothers and sisters who don't have our ideas but do respect the vote, uh, we don't have what to fight with because if fascism works, then it's over. So I will embrace all. So that's where I'm coming from, Rendon. Eric Hayes says, Emergencies Act equal martial law and dictatorship in Canada? No. It's a part of the Constitution. When there's disruption, the same thing that Trump wanted to use uh, against uh, BLM, but for no cause then. Okay? So let's get it straight. Don't 
consider using i don't i don't follow those kinds of news e2247 democracy disneyland spotlight is on why are some people motivated to share hostile political information on social media why do some folk do so here in pdr posse comments um you know i first of all i take the attacks on me personally in stride right it's actually fuel for me when people attack me or attack my writings it means to me that they're reading it right so even as they attack me i am putting seedlings in their minds so i love it attack me you know um if, if I, I tell you something i tell people all the time right if you get a message if you're if you go to a conference and you get a message in that conference and they're like yes and the conference is sort of low-key and boring and you're like Oh, if you go ahead and and um, and 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 talk to the voters, they'll show up. But if you don't talk to the voters, ah, you hear that, you know it's true. But if you have a speaker that goes out there and says, "Let me tell you, you are going to f and lose because you deserve it." The only way you won't f and lose if you don't deserve it is if you go into that neighborhood and do your job. Okay. Whether you follow the rules or not to do what he just suggest he or she suggested, the one thing is sure is that you're going to remember that message because it came with sort of a something that puts you on guard. When people criticize me, when people attack me, when people try to make what I know is right wrong, it gives me that impetus, Mr. E2247 to fight that much harder because I know I'm getting there. And for those great folk that are very nice to me and so forth, keep being that way. Love you for it. All right, let's see. Continuing, we have Eric Hayes says, great story of love and dedication at all costs. I will check it out later. Uh, May 2020, the need of for chaos and motivations to share hostile political rumors by Peterson. Thank you for the book. Uh, Bruce Pollard says, we need to phase out the old people and get some young ones in Washington. I agree with you. Nancy Pelosi and all of them, I think, need to go. I love Nancy, but I want fresh meat. I want fresh people out there with fresh ideas who are willing to take chances, who believe in things like the environment. So I'm with you, Bruce. And, you know, people, you know, I, you know how political I am. And I would be at KPFT. And there's, a, including there's, there's a former mayor that looked at me once and said, Egberto, you know, you should run. And I'm like, no, mayor. I'm not going to run. My time has passed. I want Michael Rudnan. You still have the age where he can run. I want folks 45 and below out there running. I want you guys to, to build your power. And I want you guys to... Start giving me directions as far as, Egberto, this is what we need. Why do I say 45? If you take a look at where most people are, I think they're in most of our countries below 45. Right? And I think 45 are, the, are at the mature end of the boom, right? I mean, like the baby boom, I'm talking of, of the, the median or whatever that is. So um, I want young people to run. Yeah, I'm with you, Bruce. Peggy Lopez dice, we have candidates uh, making advertisements 
that depict the guns being used to exterminate their opponent. Guess which party? Huh, maybe the Republican Party? All right, uh, Michael Rodney says, I better they were out to cure cancer as part of a stem cell treatment and cured AIDS incidentally. Maybe you mean accidentally, brother? <laughs> Actually, it's not a funny thing. It's, it's, it's true, real, and good. Uh, Eric K says, I filled my truck up today, so thought I would look back through my log and what I paid for gas the last few years. The 20, uh, 2022, 309, February 2021, 190, February 2020, 195. February 2097, 187, you decided why I must just state in facts. I, those are facts. Now, okay, now, Michael uh, um, Haynes, Hayes, Eric Hayes, you just stated some very important facts. Now, let me give you some other facts. One, there is no shortage of petroleum. Two, you and I don't have pricing power in the petroleum industry because it's controlled by four or five majors. Fact. Okay? The P if you want to be pissed off at somebody for charging you that amount in gasoline, remember, most of that money off of that, from that 190 to that 195 to that 309 is going into the pocket of the shareholders and executives of that company. It's not a question. I'm not asking you. Look at their financial reports. So here's what I'm saying you like to do. Not you, but I'm talking about people who think this way. The private corporation raises the price above and beyond any kind of cost they may have. And then they say, government did it. And then you look at their books and you notice that, the, that their, their record profits is directly a result of the price increase. And you blame Biden? Let me, let me tell you something else that I want to tell you because I'm going to get into the subject, but I want to tell you something about inflation, right? And not only that, about capitalism and taking your money away. Uh, on Daily Coast, somebody looked at me and said, Egberto, you keep saying that it's not the government false. Well, the government flooded, flooded the uh, economy with money. And in flooding the economy with money, that means there's a lot more money chasing the same amount of goods. To which I said, yeah, that's true. But were there shortages of those goods that they were chasing? No. A lot of these goods would have stayed on the shelf a bit longer or whatever. But here's what that person is saying without really saying. Biden took money and gave it to those who didn't have it, those who needed it, right? He gave money to make the lives of others better. So what those people who are saying, you flooded the market, you flooded the economy with money, it's to say, let them continue to be poor. Let them continue to starve. You are okay with that. As opposed to saying, if we want a well-regulated economy, make sure they have money to spend. And if you want to cool money on the high end, then you tax people at the top to take away those ill-gotten gains. There's nothing that says that a billionaire earned that billion. He didn't. Those people that are poor who worked at a discount and made a huge profit for these guys, you are, you are crying because the people with price and power decided to execute their will, execute that price and power, and charge the holy hell out of you. And then you say government. I'm sorry. 
we have to have more pride in ourselves. We have to have more intellect. We have to do better thinking so that they don't pull this over us. The reason they run and they say government and they also allow all these other folks to say government is because they know one thing. They know you're going to bite. And that's our goal here, to prevent you from buying the crap. Because again, it's not government that raise prices. The people who are raising the prices are the corporations. And those corporations know exactly what they're doing. And when they say government, they figured we have made the people stupid enough to honestly believe that government are the ones raising their prices when we are the ones doing it. So I, I ask all of you that are listening to me here, when you see those price increases, don't be saying government because it isn't. There's nothing that made eggs more expensive. There's nothing that made cows more expensive. In fact, the farmer is getting less money for his cow. There's nothing that made a corn more expensive. But it's at the point of sale to the public that these thugs, these thugs in ties, the corporatocracy, thugs in ties and suits, tits, okay? These are the guys that are raising prices and that which Eric Hayes complained about and, he, and he, as he continued to try to worship the guy who shafted him, uh, I, I don't know what else to tell you. All I ask of you all is the following. Please read the numbers. That 309 for gasoline, you are subsidizing the billionaire. Don't you ever forget it. And he is laughing his way to the bank. He is laughing his way to the bank. Let me get back to some of what you guys are saying here. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Eric Hayes says, Egberto, you see tyrannical powers. I don't see tyrannical powers. I see what is. Eric Hayes, Appalachia is a great source of energy these days and could even be better without restriction. That's a silly statement. That is like saying, let's go ahead. We're killing ourselves by throwing sulfur dioxide, by throwing mercury, by throwing all these things in the air because Appalachia has a lot of sulfur-based uh, carbon, uh, you know, carbon, as well as it has the oil. So, so let's just go ahead and forget about creating good jobs in Appalachia that build green energy to go ahead and supply them with all this dirty stuff that give it them blackened lungs. And when their lungs get blackened and they are sick, we don't want to pay their health care. Come on, dude. Come on, dude. All right. Uh, Peggy, Dev, De let's see. I, let's see what else. Uh, Dev Denny says, Peggy Lofet also whips and horses. Shameful. Uh, every case, Houston, our primary, Hidalgo out. Houston, our primary. Yeah, no, no, no. Hidalgo is going to win her primary. Uh, Peggy Lopez, a treatment that saved a woman with HIV is the same treatment that saved my son-in-law from dying with cancer. Wolf was the first person to survive the treatment. Wow, great, great, great to hear that. All right, let's see what else we got here. Egbertos, you see tyrannical powers? No. Eric Hayes says, yeah, uh, let's see. Paul Fleming says, I'm a test tube baby. It's risky, but I see the risk the same as uh, living as a man of color living with no fear there you go brother you get it 
If it doesn't cure me, maybe it'll get me the next generation closer to the cure. Absolutamente sí. Uh, let's see, E2247 says, Egberto, you are just plain good-hearted. We must. Michael Rudner says, Eric Hayes, debate in good faith is healthy. I like the correction there, or the addition to what Eric said. What Eric says was true, and, and Michael Rudner expanded on that. Very important. Dev Dennis says, have you seen the MSNBC video, one, How One Small Town Fought Off a QAnon Invasion? It's a priceless example of how educated voters can prevail. Don't miss it. Uh, it's on MSNBC. Okay, uh, give us, when did it show? I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Norman Reynolds is here with us. Welcome aboard, Norman. Michael Rowan says, Eric Hayes, what you see right now from those on your side is trolling this guy's as debate. Exactly. Uh, Bruce Fowler says, is there a future? Absolutely. I am a very positive person who absolutely believe in making things better. I wouldn't have given up my business to do political activism if I didn't think there was a reason to do so. I have a kid and you have kids and I figure, you know, we always sit, Bruce, I don't know if you remember, we'll be talking and we'll be saying, somebody needs to do something about this. Somebody needs to do something about it. I remember dark, dark, dark in my office one time, sitting down in the darkness and I'm like, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing ComDRV and I'm like, somebody has to do this because I'm doing ComDRV, but my mind is somewhere else. I'm developing this communication software, the next generation for, instead of using RS-232, I was going to set it up for using the USB link. It's when USB 3, I think, was coming out. And I'm saying, but that's not what I really want to do. There's so much happening in the world, right? So much happening in the world. If I didn't think that we could make a difference, I wouldn't be doing this. So no, I'm absolutely positive of the future, even with the, all the bumps that we're going to experience in going there. All right. Egberto, I can't run. My interpersonal skills are poor and the compromat uh, opposition research on me is too high. I'm not concerned about that because your generation will definitely support you. Because they would look at your compromat and when they look at your compromat brother, they're going to say, ah, we want a good left wing around there. And then they'll see all your posts of caring about people and they're going to say, compromat my you know what. And your interpersonal skills, I think, is just fine. You've been here. It's just fine. Uh, Fake Lopez says, an old person, I think we need to face out the left-wing grassroots and replace them with the younger left-wing grassroots. I agree. We need new blood for getting movement to the left. And that's what I do, Peggy. I'm an oldie, right? But what I do is I, I, have, I hang myself with millennials. And there are things that I talk about. Uh, there are a couple of very well-trusted millennials. You've seen them on this show before. I'll call up and say, hey, what do you think about this? How would you think about that? And then they will give me the millennial perspective. And that is a perspective, period. That is a perspective. Our, I, like I tell people a lot of time, we as baby boomers, and I don't mean us as individuals, Peggy, or even older Gen Xs. I call myself an older Gen X because, you know, the ba I am so disappointed in, in what the, both the young and middle baby boomers have done, right? It's almost like they adopted Reaganomics, fell for it, and ran with it, and forgot about their own kids, you know? That couldn't be me. Uh, let's see. Tenaj says, keep up the good work. Thank you, Tenaj. Thank you so kindly. Eric Hayes says, yes, inflation facts caused by our government policy restriction lands and taking us independent away. Again, you have not said anything, Eric. I exactly gave you the reason for inflation. It's not a question. The government don't raise prices. The people who have price and power do. 
And if there's no shortage of gasoline, which there isn't, the only reason you're paying 309 is that they can do it because nobody else is going to drop the price below 309 except Costco. They're not. They're, they have price and power. So Costco is giving you all the benefit of its price and power. But the oil companies are evil SOBs because there isn't a shortage. It doesn't matter that we have more money flooding into the coffers because there is no shortage. But you believe the crap. That's why they win. As long as we have those who believe their crap, they will continue to win. That's why my goal is to convince people like Eric Hayes eventually to open his damn eyes and see the light, Eric. This is not up for debate. The government didn't tell Exxon to charge 309. Exxon didn't have a shortage of oil for 309. Exxon saw that it had a monopoly and also that people had money in their pockets. And when people, when the average American citizen have money in their pockets, you know what the, you know what the plutocracy does? It doesn't say, let's keep things stable as we need it so that those people can put away some money to invest there's a phrase that I use all the time. They say we'll take, we'll price things to take their money away because they have it. They have the money to purchase it, so we'll price it. There, there's a phrase that calls number one, whatever the market will bear. And what will the market bear? Your total income plus your total savings plus whatever you are able to borrow. And they know those metrics very well. And those with pricing power instead of pricing, and that's why capitalism doesn't work. Because it says, we maximize profits for the shareholder. And if you got money in your pocket, we won't take it all. You have to understand how these things work. All right, Egberto, uh, the peak oil theory indicated our civilization would have reduced oil production started in 2000, but the date got pushed back quite a bit because of... Fr oh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the peak oil was based on, on current known knowledge, right? But nobody knows that there was oil under 14,000 feet of ocean and another 5,000 feet below the ocean floor. Nobody knew that there were all these different oil deposits. I mean, peak oil was, was always going to be a guess, but as you find more big reserves, like nobody knew that Venezuela was swimming on oil as it is. And when I say Venezuela, the reason we give Venezuela such a hard time, we will not allow Venezuela to become a democratic socialist state without a problem. Because Venezuela is sitting on an ocean of oil. And if, if, if you got a Bolivarian social democratic state in South America sitting on a volume of oil, it makes sure that that oil is distributed equity, equitably among all the people living in that land. You know what that means to the American capitalist society? Americans are going to start to ask themselves, wait a minute, we have all this federal land that these big companies are drilling on, mining on, growing forests on, and we are not sharing in the spoils? Just the shareholders get money from taking away oil they didn't put there, for cutting down wood they didn't put there? Come on. When I talk about, you know, I told on Daily Coast, I said our economic system is a fraud. And somebody says, name me a better one. To which I said, I can name you a lot, a lot of them that are better. Okay. So let's, let's open our minds. Let's open our minds. 
Okay, let's see. Wow, I had to show. I have a well. I think it's only ten minutes. The the Norman, the Norman Solomon. So I think I still can answer some more stuff. Since when it's wrong to be good hearted? It's never wrong. Eric Hayes says, your statement yesterday justified Europe using more coal yesterday because of jumping into renewable too much. It's good. Huh? I'm not sure. What I'd said is if, look, I'm for green energy. If, if I come across a shortage of energy and people are about to freeze, you bet your life I'm going to use oil, coal, or whatever I have to burn to, make, to have them survive. It's just humanity. All right, let's see what else we got here. Egberto, MSNBC video on that out of town. Canon, thank you. I'm, I'm copying it right now because I want to see that. Thank you for sharing that with us, brother. All right, let's see. Norman Reynolds says, join the party. Oh, I forgot about that. It's time to join the party, folks. If you are listening to us on uh, YouTube, please go ahead and click that join button. We need you to join our party. Help us do what we do best. Tell the truth and ensure that we are all intelligent, that we all know what we need to do. If you don't see that join button on YouTube, please consider going to politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Maybe if I put the keyboard onto the wrong right system, it'll work. Politicsandright.com. Let's see if that works. Yep. Politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Alternatively, please support us on Patreon. Politicsandright.com slash Patreon. Politicsandright.com slash Patreon. And otherwise, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. We love PayPal. Don't necessarily like the guys who founded it, but we like PayPal. Politicsandright.com slash PayPal. And don't forget, get our books. Politicsandright.com slash books. Politicsandright.com slash books. And shop at our store, which has some new good stuff. Politicsandright.com slash stores. Now, I think it is time for my little standalone book promo. Here we go. I'm Egberto Willis, as host of Politics Done Right, a progressive radio media show on Pacifica Network's KPFT 90.1 FM Houston that engages all ideologies. I found that our political angst isn't mostly ideological. There is a well-designed effort by many in power to control us. If we are at each other's throats, we are less likely to demand our economic and local wishes. In that light, I wrote three books. I wrote the first one titled As I See It, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom to describe the entire economy in a manner we can all understand. It highlights why it was designed to pill for most as it empowers a few, the chosen. The second book, titled It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors, take it to the next level. After understanding how the system pilfers, it is incumbent that we can speak to our peers to empower a change. The third book, How to Make America Utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it, gives us a place to land. After learning about our economy, that is dysfunctional for most and learning how to engage the other side, we point out what would make an economy that works for all. Each book stands on its own, but together they provide the full picture. Please consider getting one or more. You will undoubtedly learn, be entertained, and help us continue the mission with our blogs, articles, videos, and books. Hey, welcome aboard, Bridge MCP. Welcome aboard, Melanie Keelan. You're late today, Melanie. Uh, welcome aboard, Lee Grant. Lee Grant, it's not called Egbertonomics. It's just called Humanomics, okay? Uh, <laughs> like Egberto Echo. I uh, love you, uh, Bridge MCP. Paul Fleming, I think I saluted you already. Welcome aboard. All right, guys, I'm going to play. I'm going to go ahead. Alistair Waters, welcome aboard. Does the freestanding book video have an echo for y'all? It probably did because of my fault. I don't know. But anyway, folks, let me go ahead and play Norman Solomon on Russia, and then we'll get back. BP Alpha, welcome to Politics 
done right. Here we go with El Senor uh, Norman Solomon. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Today, we are honored to have Norman Solomon. He's a co-founder and national coordinator of RootsAction.org. His book include War Made Easy, How Presidents and Pundits Keep Spinning Us to Death, printed in 2006, and Made Love Got War, Make Love Got War, Close Encounters with America's Warfare State. Senor Solomon, welcome to Politics Done Right once again. How are you doing today? Oh, just very well, and I'm so glad to be with you again. Well, look, uh, you always have something to say and you always have something to nourish people's minds uh, with. So thank you so kind for being out here with us. Let's talk Ukraine. I want to get right into it because this is an issue that I don't quite understand as I should. What the hell is the problem? What are we doing over there right after leaving Afghanistan? Well, of course, it's complicated in Ukraine and I don't want to claim to be an expert on the country, but I do have, I think, a good grasp of what's happening politically in the United States vis-a-vis the conflict with Russia and that whole NATO situation. I'm reminded of a book that the novelist Norman Mailer wrote, and the title was, Why Are We in Vietnam? And the word Vietnam did not appear until the last page of the book. And I think this was a way of saying that the internal dynamics and the domestic needs of certain powerful forces really guide foreign policy. And it was true in the 1960s, and I think it's true in 2022. There is, after all, a history where the United States, as we remember, for 20 years in Afghanistan, and you cannot sell enough weapons to the Pentagon if you're withdrawing from countries. And so this is not a conspiracy theory. It's just to say that tremendous amounts of profits are being made from these arms sales to the Pentagon. And let's face it, huge amounts of weapons are now being shipped by the United States into Ukraine and the surrounding region. I am so happy that you brought up the defense industrial complex and the need to feed the animal because I've been speaking about that for some time, but having you uh, corroborate that stuff, it, it, it is it is it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Now, there is something that I want to back up to, something that was in your article that I actually learned, and that was I didn't realize there's a tacit agreement between the United States and Russia that uh, NATO would not have expanded. And now that NATO has expanded and uh, Russia may be a bit concerned about Ukraine going into NATO, it seems to me like a lot of the American people don't understand that there is another level of indirection to this entire Ukraine issue. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, about that? Yes, something that we know from our own lives, if we've been fairly alert by the time we're you know, adults, walk a mile in my shoes is very helpful. If we don't think about how somebody else might see the world, we're going to get into all sorts of conflicts. It's not just me, me, me. But in foreign policy, often when you're the biggest power on the planet, there's this tremendous temptation often fulfilled, United States of America. It's all about us. Well, anybody who's been overseas in other countries and talked to people likely noticed that not everybody wants to just defer to Uncle Sam. So in this situation, if we imagine that a Russian-led military alliance invited Canada or Mexico as allies and started shipping weapons uh, through Mexico City to the border areas uh, of Mexico next to Texas, what do you think the response from Washington would be? I mean, the question answers itself. 
absolutely intolerable. We had a Cuban Missile Crisis with uh, real dangerous stupidity on both sides in 1962 when there were missiles put in Cuba. So when we turned around, walk a mile in my shoes, look out the window at the Kremlin and you see the United States after promising, and this is documented. Now the National Security Archive has published these documents. Then Secretary of State James Baker said uh, in 1990, when the Berlin Wall was falling, promised then Soviet Union becoming Russia, not one inch eastward will NATO expand. That promise has been broken time and again, a dozen times moving up to the Russian border. And so now Ukraine, which is a hugely important country for Russia on the border, not really that important to the US, now it's just for Russian policymakers, the idea that Ukraine would become part of NATO is just intolerable. And yet, you know, we look at the news media in this country, that is barely mentioned. You know, it, it is sad because uh, many, many, uh, you are speaking about this today. And when this go out, there are some people that are going to make, make the, give the impression that what you are is pro-Russian or that what you are is anti-American because you're simply telling some geopolitical truths. Now, I think if more Americans understood that, look, we don't have as a country, we don't have the best records in keeping, uh, the, 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 keeping to the treaties that we sign. Ask the natives, ask uh, the folks who thought they were going to get 40 acres and the mule, ask all these people whether or not we honor uh, agreements, whether written or verbalized. We generally don't. And this is another instance, and I, I mean, this is an instance that could cause severe, a severe problem to the American people. Why don't you kind of expand on that? Absolutely. I, I think you encapsulated and telescope this just profound truth. The history of the United States, and I'm not just talking centuries ago, I'm talking recent years. The U.S. not only cast the first stone, but the second and the third, because we're the biggest on the block. We have the most powerful military on and on. During the Vietnam War, one of the two senators to vote against the awful Gulf of Tonkin resolution, Senator Wayne Moore said, might does not make right. It's just as wrong when we do it as when Russia does it. And when you set that climate where, okay, we can invade one country after another, it becomes very clear to other countries, you can't trust Uncle Sam. I was blown away. I heard Michael McFall, the former Obama ambassador uh, to the uh, Kremlin, to Moscow, on the BBC the other day, and he's saying it elsewhere. We can't have an international order when one country can just go around invading another? Well, sure, I agree with that. But how can the United States, after invading Afghanistan, invading Iraq and continuing wars there for decades, we're going around and we're preaching to other people? We're, we're telling Russia on your own border, just shut up because it doesn't concern you that we're shipping weapons into this country that's right next to you? Um, you were actually being pretty kind. I mean, you didn't mention Panama. You didn't mention yes. Granada. You didn't mention all the, all the South American incursions. I mean, the truth of the matter is uh, we don't, one, one likes, one would respect leading by example, and we don't quite do that. And it's not anti-American or unpaid. In fact, I think it is anti-American not to let the American populace understand what's being done 
in their on their behalf or in their names because one many times we ask why don't they like us it's not that they don't like us they love us they don't just don't like what our government go go out there and does your you know, point Roberto, you're reminding me of a bumper sticker that i saw when the u.s invaded iraq and it had a picture of the american flag and it said these colors don't run the world and that's a real hard one for some mm-hmm. Americans to swallow, that we don't just get to tell other countries and work our will uh, diplomatically and, if necessary, militarily. The first anti-war demonstration I ever went to was April 15th, 1967, in New York City. And that was a week and a half after Martin Luther King Jr. gave his now famous speech at Riverside Church. And he said, quite candidly, in his words, that the United States was the biggest purveyor of violence on the planet. Yes. And here we are, well into the third decade of the 21st century, and you look at Afghanistan, you look at Iraq, you look at our history, that is unfortunately still the case. It is, it, it is sad. And again, I, I think the, the most patriotic thing people like you are doing is out there telling the truth, Telling it like it is out of your article. And folks, the name of the article is in the Salon magazine or Salon Salon website. It's U.S. hypocrisy on Ukraine paralyzes media, Congress and even progressive Democrats. And in that article, he lays out Norman Solomon lays out perfectly how we, the people, the fourth estate has given our government a pass. Uh, Democrats, uh, which are in government, has given reality a pass. Look, that was an excellent article that I think everybody needs to read. Everybody needs to understand. It is not an pro-Russian article. It's just a fact-based article that all need to read and would make us a hell of a lot more educated. Um, I always ask my uh, the folks that I question, what would you have liked me to ask you uh, that I didn't? And, and please make it as expansive as possible, because like I said, you're the one who knows quite a bit more about Ukraine and what's going on there than I do that my audience would definitely appreciate. Well, I think as walking on two legs, the understanding and analysis is, they're crucial. And also it's the action is crucial. And I'm so proud to work with a team at rootsaction.org because we started with no one on our email list. We now have 1.2 million in the United States and everybody watching and listening is invited. If you're not getting our action alerts, you can join with other people. It's domestic issues, healthcare, housing, the environment. It's overseas foreign policy issues like we're talking about. Please join us at rootsaction.org. I think an underlying question is, one of the key ones is how does this connect to the suffering that goes on in the United States and the way in which 55 plus percent of the discretionary budget of the federal government goes to the military. And this is just uh, really violence even, and he was no radical. Dwight Eisenhower said every bomber, every plane, every tank is in a real sense a theft from the children of the world. And that includes in our country, we have healthcare rates, we have suffering and deaths among children that are worse than in some of the most impoverished third world countries. We have to change this. It's really about priorities. Rootsaction.org, folks. Please sign up at rootsaction.org. Norman Solomon, co-founder and national coordinator of rootsaction.org. Thank you so kindly, first of all, 
for all the work that you do. Secondly, for keeping us up to date with articles like you've like like you've had at Salon, and just for being here to expose our audience with the truth, with information to nourish their minds. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right, Norman Solomon. Well, thank you, and thanks for Politics Done Right, all you're doing, and to everybody listening and watching, please support this program. Thank you so kindly. Anyway, Norman Solomon, folks. Anyhow, um, before I forget, please go ahead and click on that join button. If you see it on, on your YouTube channel, click that join button. If you don't see that join button on your YouTube channel, then, of course, go ahead and go to politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube, and maybe I'll get my keyboard back so that I can stick that in there, politicsandright.com slash you. There we go. Politics and right. You can go to our store, politicsandright.com slash store. Go to our PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. I'm having to do it the old-fashioned way, just using a mouse, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. And, of course, you can find all the different ways to support us at politicsdoneright.com slash support. Please check us out. We cannot do this without you. No podemos hacer esto sin ustedes. Ustedes son la sangre. Son la sangre de este proyecto. You are the blood of this project. Don't you ever forget it. You're the blood of this project. All right. Whoa, there's a lot of messages that I'm not going to get to all of them. So I'm going to scroll up and see where I can start. Uh, let's see. Every case, why does the U.S. worry about its own border? Yeah, we should worry about our own border. Afghanistan, debacle was not the same. You sound like Fox News. D. Grant says the government grows large. It needs to expand to find the viewer. No. I want the government as big as possible to be able to handle every group of corporations that try to screw the American people. Remember that. And by the way, it's not 30 acres and a mule, it's 40 acres and a mule. And no, it's not a, it wasn't a treaty. I know that, Daniel Ledeau. But I mean, it was, remember, if you listen to what I told Mr. Solomon, I said, I said, we don't support, we don't, we don't follow through with our treaties or our written treaties or word of mouth. Remember what the general did about the freed slaves and the 40 acres and a mule? Check it out. You don't have to listen to me. Just look it up yourself. All right, let's see. The most poisonous aspect of society is that it's weaponry that we've invested in most. Violence solves nothing. From your BP Alpha, I agree with you 100%. Michael Sisek is here. Welcome, Michael. Uh, let's see. Vidish MCV says, Eric, we are in the country. Big difference. Exactly right. E2247 says, burn in. Sits a generation in the future. Telling a story of an FBI agent assigned to the field test. A autonomous robot as she investigates a techno-terrorist conspiracy. You give us all these little snippets, brother E2247. Thank you. Norman Reynolds says, all you guys looking overseas, why do you want to run things? It's because you want our big government military. These colors don't run the world. Well, you know, there's a lot to that, Norman, and you're absolutely right. British MCP says, oh, I like that statement. These colors don't run the world. No, no, there's no colors that should be running the world, right? All flags are should be equi- should should be a part of this world. Uh, hegemony, piss poor. B- <laughs> All right, let's see. Michael running has a message for Daniel Ledo on a history lesson. So let me read that so people can get it real quickly. 
40 acres in the mule is part of a special field order number 15 wartime order proclaimed by union general william tecumseh sherman on january 16 1865 during the american civil war to allot land to some freed families in plots of land no larger than 40 acres 16 hectares sherman later ordered the army to lend mules for those agrarian reform efforts the field orders followed a series of conversations between secretary of war edwin m stanton and radical republican abolitionist charles sumner and Thaddeus Stevens, following disruptions to the institution of slavery provoked by the American Civil War, many freed people believed, after being told by various political figures, that they had a right to own the land they had been forced to work as slaves and were eager to control their own property. Freed people widely expected to legally claim 40 acres of land, a quarter section, and a mule after the end of the war. Some freedmen took advantage of the order and took initiatives to acquire land plots along the strip of the South Carolina, Georgia, Florida coast. However, Abraham Lincoln's successor, Andrew Johnson, tried to reverse the intent of Sherman's wartime field order number 15 and similar provisions. Again, like we said, always going back on treaties, whether written or verbal. I mean, look at uh, the Black Mountains in, I think, North Dakota. You know, they found gold on it and then, oh, okay, natives, get, get. Even though we gave it to you, we want it back because we want the riches from it. All right, you know, I mean, history is an interesting thing, you know. You got to learn your history. You know, in Panama, we had to learn American history, French history, Portuguese, all these different. We had to learn the capitals of every single country where we had to be able to go to a map and point out every country in the world. It's funny now because they're different now, right? There's no more Soviet Union. There's no more Czechoslovakia. There's Czech and Slovak. There's no more Soviet Union. There's no... Uh, there's no more Yugoslavia. It's now, um, what is it called? Montenegro and Serbia, Herzegovina and all. I mean, it's amazing how it's a change since I grew up. But we had to learn all of that, right? Over here, the bastion of democracy, a country. Look, for you to have a democracy, you have to have an educated populace. And for a long time, America believed in education, not only in college, where the elitists eventually emanate from. But even in high schools, good schools, all of that, we wanted to teach people geography, civics, how to be a good American. How to be a good American, a fruitful, working American. That's what we used to teach. We used to teach geography, learn all the countries around the world. Now, we don't do that. We want Americans dumb. The right wing, and the, and it's not only Republicans, guys. Don't think I'm just blaming it on Republicans. I'll be ill-advised. It's the methodology. It's the neoliberal methodology. It's a capitalist society of which everybody is made up of. They need you dumb. And you know why they need you dumb? Because they don't want you figuring out that ultimately, ultimately, you have to ask yourself the question, why are you doing the work and folks sitting in an office that your people build or built, the skyscrapers in downtown Houston, downtown Raleigh, all those beautiful buildings, those beautiful neighborhoods that you drive through and with your kids and say, isn't that a pretty house? A house you will never get into. Isn't that a pretty skyscraper? A skyscraper you will never be able to get into. You and your people built. But you can't ever enjoy it because it's not yours. That's what our economic system promotes. 
And the fallacy is that everybody has equal access to success. Most of the people listening to my show right now, even the ones that are utterly against me, you will never ever attain or have the ability to move up. You know why? Because you are not the chosen. We don't live in a meritocracy. I talk about that in How to Make America Utopia. We do not live in a meritocracy where you're go- the cream goes to the top. We do not live in a meritocracy. And anyone who buys that Kool-Aid deserve exactly what they have. What we do here is we try to inform, enlighten, and I ask you so kindly, everybody, to share these videos. And not only that, at least listen to what I'm saying and cross-check it. And a good way to cross-check it is find something that I'm saying that's wrong if you can. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.